passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Monday Night Raw is live in Brooklyn. Reigns has retained the title. The Money in the Bank contract holder is in the ring. Is Strowman going to cash in? He is. Is Strowman going to cash in? Michael, he is. Ladies and gentlemen, Braun Strowman is cashing in his Money oh in the Bank contract. Strowman is cashing in. Strowman's cashing in. We've got a second championship match. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello, everybody. It's John Pollock and Waiting with Rewind a Raw, where we go back and we review Raw for you. And if you missed Monday night's show, well, can't say 90% of this is, is anything that you're ever going to recall in your lifetime. How are you doing, Way? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm doing well. 90% of this? I would say 90% of Raw was completely missable tonight. Ninety percent. I'm I'm curious to know exactly what the per, uh how many minutes that would be. Let's do the math here. So so how many minutes as well? Raw? raw would be about 190 minutes every week. Okay. 100. So we're looking at about 19 minutes worth of uh of time would be okay. I I would. What would you say the main event segment was? Maybe 30. So maybe maybe we should go a little bit higher. Like maybe. Maybe we'll go like 15% of Raw was was worth watching. I would say if you tuned in at, at 10.40 p.m., that is all you needed. And I will go through every moment prior, every every painstaking segment on this show. And uh, maybe Way will lift up my uh, my enjoyment of this show. But I, I thought I was going to fall asleep during this show, Way. No. Yes. Oh I thought God. I was going to pass out. I don't know if you ever fall asleep, John. I don't. Trust me. I don't have time to. But when that Authors of Pain Titus Worldwide match comes back in progress and I'm getting two uh, B-team singles matches, oh, my Lord, way. Yeah, definitely the um, the wrestling on the show outside of the main event, I thought, was uh, very, I think, a uh, great showcase of the undercard of uh, oh. Raw. Um, that is to say, people who basically don't really have any type of interesting storyline going on, people who aren't featured on pay-per-views, they all got their chance to to wrestle in front of an audience on this show. You know what just woke me up? Uh, Way was a little delayed tonight. So Raw ended, and I had about a half hour 
like, what am I going to do here? And I finished watching this, uh, this Chronicle special that the WWE put out on Samoa Joe last Friday that kind of uh, fell under the radar with all the SummerSlam stuff going on. This thing is excellent. It's 45 minutes. It's semi like Samoa Joe being himself and, and half in character stuff, but the tone is so perfect. Like I wish, I wish more of the backstage segments could adopt some of this stuff that I was watching because I thought this was a 45 minute, just wonderful character piece on Samoa Joe. And I hate to even call him a character, like who this person is and turning it up for the Samoa Joe persona. I just love this. I thought it was a really, really well done piece that if you are listening to this and have not watched Raw, don't and just go watch this. You'll thank me uh, almost as much as the chicken sandwich you you had today for lunch because of me. Wow. Okay. A man of uh, many recommendations. Yeah. I I haven't watched the whole thing yet. I I think I've watched maybe like a uh, if we're doing percentages, maybe twenty twenty five thirty percent of it. Uh, and it's really good. I thought the Nakamura one that they aired uh, was uh, before Mania was really good as well. So that was before Mania, right? Yeah. It was a hard time. It, I remember us watching that in our hotel room mm. with, with Dave Meltzer. Yes, as yes. we were watching that um, the Bloodsport uh, pay per view. Yeah. So th- those are both really good, and it, and in the end, I feel like they're relatively simple and and very effective forms of uh, storytelling. Like from what I gather, it was really just kind of done by this one guy who was following uh, Joe for several months leading yeah, up and- to it. And it's interesting because the different interviews all have like different tones. Like you have Samoa Joe with his mother and then you have Samoa Joe just talking about coming to WWE and stuff that's, you know, totally out of character. But then you have other sit downs where it's more talking about like this feud with AJ Styles and and the rift between them. And I I just thought, man, I the promo he cuts because last week after he reads the letter from Wendy, they did a WWE.com video where there's a pull apart. Mm-hmm. And that's all you see on the, the the YouTube portion. But after that, Joe cuts this big promo into the camera that airs on this. And it was just great. It's just like, all, I'm paraphrasing, but he's just like, all these people here are trying to take each other apart with their fists. I take apart, I'll take you apart with, with your mind, your heart if I choose. For, it was just great. He's just a great promo. He is one of my favorite people in any promotion at the moment, I just think he's uh, had a tremendous, tremendous run here on SmackDown, and he is consistently one of the highlights of the week of any show I watch. Do you like him more than the chicken sandwich? Let's not get crazy here. Uh, that was a life-changing moment, uh, but Samoa Joe is close. I mean, th- <laughs> this weekend, I have learned the the big the the stars of SummerSlam weekend for me in no particular order were Samoa Joe. And this this person who put together this this Chronicle series, Annie Styles and Marco Stunt from the Joey Janela show, who uh, stole the show at this card on Friday and has now been booked for All In. Really? Wow. Just based off of that. Interesting. So that's to come on Tuesday night. I'm going to review Joey Janela's Lost in New York show on uh, the double shot. So you can hear all about 22-year-old Marco Stunt. Okay. I look forward to that. All right. Let's... Uh, Let's chat about uh, what is coming up this week uh, on the site, Way, uh, I talked about the double shot. I'm going to be reviewing Joey Janela's Lost in New York. There is a new Being the Elite, which the first four minutes might be 
the best four minutes ever from being the elite. Uh, so lots to discuss on Tuesday show. Uh, I look forward to that. Yeah. No, Lucha, got, no Lucha Underground this week, but uh, I'm sure. I watched the Lucha Underground, but I, I'm going to dedicate my time to uh, the Lost in New York show. However, uh, my Lucha Underground review will definitely, definitely return for next week uh, because this week's show has the greatest stipulation match of all time. Awesome. What else do we have coming up? Oh, okay. Yes. On what? I, sorry, I didn't realize that was a throw. Uh, we have on Wednesday the return of the British Wrestling Experience with Martin, Ollie, and Benno. Thursday, we got Up Next. Both those shows are available on their own feeds. Do go ahead and subscribe. I've just gotten word, actually, from Braden and Davey that they will also be doing some coverage of the Mayon Classic that's coming up. So uh, check out their TakeOver review that just took place this past weekend. And then uh, stay tuned to Up Next for coverage of all that stuff. On the cafe on Friday, John and I will be back with our MCU reviews, Marvel Cinematic Universe reviews. We are starting back from the beginning with Iron Man number one, the movie that started it all. And then on Saturday, we have our next edition of Eggshells. And then I think we actually have a day off on Sunday. Yeah, we got to breathe. We got to we got to rest because we are going on a big road trip next weekend. Way and I will be at uh, StarCast. We're going to be doing a live recording of Ask Away on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. at the Podcast Movement uh, pop-up booth. Uh, so you can come and sit in. There's limited seating available, so you can check out a live recording of Ask Away. And I do want to make mention of our friends at WrestleNomics, uh, Chris Harrington and Brandon Howard, because they will be at the same spot on Sunday at 10 a.m. doing their own show. And they were nice enough to uh, plug our show when they were mentioning theirs. So I would like to uh, mention theirs here on this show as well. I am a big fan of their show. So they will be there the Sunday at 10, and then the two of us are there Saturday at 10. So that's all you need that weekend, really. I mean, if you get around to that wrestling show on Saturday night, that's cool. But Saturday and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., that's that's the prime time of StarCast weekend. Mm-hmm. Are you excited, Way, for this big trip? I am, yeah. I mean, I think it's just kind of come around so quickly that uh, I'm not even so much thinking about the, the the show as I am maybe thinking about the road trip. That's what I'm really excited about. You, me, David, or Davey, David, and Braden. We are going to be in a car together for a long amount of time driving to Chicago, which should be a lot of fun. Uh, we debated, should we fly there? I thought it'd be a lot more fun to just drive. So who knows uh, what is going to pop up, but we'll have lots of content that weekend, I'm sure. So all of that is coming up. Uh, let's chat about a few news items uh, from today. Wait, you will be happy about this one. Glow has been renewed for a third season by Netflix. Not a surprise after they set up the uh, the Las Vegas season that is to come. Uh, but this uh, first two seasons have been tremendous. So I'm very much looking forward to the third season. Do you feel that this could be the wind-down season of GLOW? Do you feel that this is this could be it, the third season? It's very possible. You know, the actual real-life GLOW had its end uh, at some point as well. Do I think it'll be this season? No, I don't think it'll be it. I think it still has a, a few seasons left, left in its uh, uh, life. Uh, it's actually a show that has gotten better as the seasons have progressed. And granted, there are only two seasons so far, but... I would say season two really reached, I think, uh, emotional uh, depths that season one didn't. So I look forward to seeing what they do in season three. 
New Japan has released all of their cards for September for the Destruction Tour and three matches for Long Beach, California. And I was surprised by this way because typically the Destruction cards are, I mean, they'll throw some stuff at these cards, but they are not considered major, major shows. It's pretty much after the G1, King of Pro Wrestling is the next big event. But they are putting some huge matches on these Destruction cards. The main three are... September the 15th, they're going to be in Hiroshima. That's going to be headlined by Kenny Omega against Tomohiro Ishii for the IWGP heavyweight title. Two days later, on the 17th, it'll be headlined by Minoru Suzuki against Tetsuya Naito. And then on September the 23rd in uh, Kobe, it's Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kazuchika Okada with the uh, Wrestle Kingdom title shot at stake that Tanahashi earned by winning the G1. So that is huge for the destruction shows in particular, the Omega and Tanahashi matches. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, maybe it doesn't surprise me all that much considering maybe the way they've been doing all of their house shows, uh, quote unquote, you know, road two shows uh, earlier this year. It seems like they're trying to give you something to watch or, or a reason to tune into new Japan world for every single one of those shows, even if it is just for the main event. Yeah, they've also announced that Hiromu Takahashi uh, has vacated the junior heavyweight title as uh, he is dealing with his injury, and it, it looks like he will be out for quite a bit of time. So they're going to oh, do a. F- he released this awesome video, by the way. Where, um, uh, so he whenever he held he held the title and and kept referring to it as Mister Belt, and he would do like those those backstage press conferences with it, uh, like speaking as Mister Belt. And here we got to see an interview, like, completely played seriously here with Mr. Belt talking about Hiromu Takahashi and um, the chairman of New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, giving the news to Mr. Belt that he will be relinquished from Hiromu Takahashi. It is is great. This sounds insane. I'll have to watch this. I, I saw the link to the video, but I did not watch it. So what they're going to do is a four-man tournament on September 23rd at the Destruction Show in Kobe. Kushida will take on Bushi. And then the following week in Long Beach, California, Will Ospreay will take on Marty Skrull. The two winners will meet October the 8th at King of Pro Wrestling. And also announced for Long Beach is the Young Bucks taking on the Gorillas of Destiny with the IWGP tag titles at stake and Juice Robinson versus Cody for the United States title. Obviously they cannot announce a, uh, a title match with Kenny Omega or anything like that while he's still got the title defense coming. So that's all they can announce at this point for the long beach show. But man, some big cards in September, which is usually not a massive month for new Japan. It's kind of the hangover month after the G one, but they are, they are loading the deck on some of these cards. I'm looking forward to almost all of it, and I think I'll be watching at least uh, all, all of those main events. Um, and you know, we kind of begin the uh, push to to Russell Kingdom, I suppose. Yes, so lots lots to come there. And uh, other than that, uh, not too much news today. Impact is going to Mexico City for their next set of television tapings, which is just in a couple of weeks on September the 13th and 14th, and uh, that is about it. Are you going to be going on a road trip to uh, to Mexico? Do you think your parents might want to just uh, one morning say, hey, wait, we're going down to Mexico. You want to come? We're going to watch some wrestling. Yeah, I don't really think so. It's a bit more of a drive than six hours for us uh, up here in Toronto. But I would love to go at, at some point. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting what their uh, what TNA's or Impact's reception is like down in uh, Mexico as well. All right, let's get into Raw Monday night. This was our third show from the Barclays Center with one more to go on Tuesday night, and started off with Roman Reigns coming out, the new Universal Champion, soundly booed here, and Michael Cole said, "Let the critics criticize." Maybe that's going to be Roman's next T-shirt. Maybe that's our new T-shirt. Yeah, perhaps, yeah. Michael Cole notes it was the most watched SummerSlam of all time. The crowd is chanting, you suck, before he can even speak. And he noted, I am a man of my word. I beat Brock Lesnar. The crowd clarified, you still suck. And he plans to defend the title tonight, and he has one person in mind. And he brings up the man who won this title in Brooklyn two years ago and then got hurt. He's talking about Finn Balor. So Balor comes out, accepts the challenge, shakes hands, and Baron Corbin comes out saying this is not going to happen. Corbin is upset because he had signed on to take on Finn Balor the man, not Finn Balor the demon, and called it a breach of contract. (laughs) I found it entertaining. He never even heard the bell ring because of all the smoke and the noise, so the match never happened. Tonight, he wants to face Finn Balor the man which is how I always hope Finn Balor is now referred to as when he doesn't have the paint on. Reigns uh, tells him that he sucks, and Corbin says that Brock was more concerned with Braun Strowman. That's the only reason you won. So Kurt comes out. He asks the crowd if they want Reigns and Balor. They all, uh, you know, they all conversed. They, they held a vote, and they decided, yes, we do want to see this tonight. And then Kurt added, Baron Corbin versus Bobby Lashley, which the audience said, what the fuck? We weren't asked about that. We definitely don't want that. And that's how we started off this extremely lengthy edition of Raw. But that was our open way with Roman Reigns, the the new king of Raw. I thought it was a really hot opening segment. I think probably the exact reaction that we all expected Brooklyn to give a champion Roman Reigns walking out into the crowd for the first time. You know, but... I'll say, however, I think this crowd reacted to Reigns. I feel like this is a welcome change from seeing Brock Lesnar with it. Uh, They've done, you know, quite the job of, I think, telling all of us that Brock Lesnar is something that we really don't want. And and by this point, he has become that. It's been a long time, and it's kind of nice to see uh, Roman Reigns with the belt, or at least, at the very least, any type of champion come out uh, with the championship belt. Um, Knowing they had this plan for Finn Balor today... I could totally understand the need for him to demon up last night. It, they needed to make him feel like a big deal, and he did feel like a big deal, uh, I suppose, for for this evening. Um, yeah. Why? So, why did? Why didn't he demon up tonight? So I don't know if you're aware, John. They did explain this in the comic book, the WWE comic book. Oh, please tell us the origin of the Finn Balor demon. How Finn Balor got the demon powers. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here. It's been a while since I've read this thing. I didn't realize it was canon. Anyway, so Finn Balor was walking home one day. This might have been in Bray. Uh, he encountered a demon in the road. And he sling-bladed the demon. And he defeated it. And captured the demon's headdress. Are you making all of this up? I don't I, even bl- I swear to you, I'm not. Okay? Is there, there, is there even a... There's an actual Finn Balor comic book? Yeah, it's a WWE comic book that I think happened to feature this backstory. Okay. So he slingbladed this demon, defeated it, <laughs> took its headdress, 
And, uh, but in doing so, it took a lot out of him. I, I don't fucking know. I, I have to kind of go back and reread it, I guess. But it, the, the, the insinuation is that it takes a lot out of Finn Balor every time he uses the demon power. So he should only use it when he really needs it. Oh, I guess okay. he didn't really need it. He powered up for a year for last night. So yeah. it was at its most effective use last night. He kind of wasted it, really. Like, yeah, well, they they should have explained this on the broadcast. Michael Cole could have read the comic book during the introduction. Well, I don't even know if the comic explanation is something they'll end up using. I don't know how well that would work. Um, whatever. But I think some type of explanation would be nice on TV. Especially once Coachman has raised the point on the broadcast. Yes, yes. There should be an answer. Baron Corbin kicked off another edition of Raw with Bobby Lashley. Corbin went to the floor and took out Lashley's knee from the apron there was a big vertical leap by Lashley. That looked good. Corbin then ran him into the ropes, and he fell to the floor. We go through a commercial. The crowd was uh, so in, entrenched with this match that they started chanting Rusev Day. It got very serious because Bobby Lashley's headband fell off, which I guess is the 2018 modern equivalent of Jerry Lawler's straps coming down. The referee has his gloves on, so apparently someone was bleeding. Uh, the crowd chanted, Boring. Lashley then came off the top, was caught with the chokeslam backbreaker, but then Lashley spun him off his shoulders with a move kind of similar to Will Ospreay's Stormbreaker and won the match at 12 minutes and 39 seconds. Yeah, it was... Uh, this I think... was the start of the next two and a half hours of this show. Mm -hmm. um, it's a boring pairing to start the night off with, and I think... Uh, Baron Corbin matches tend to um, Drag. garner garner that type of reaction. Like nothing, especially even with Lashley though here, nothing really stands out about either man's character nor their offense, I would say. Lashley maybe towards the end, but for most of this, it just kind of felt like your typical heavyweight matchup without too much for, especially, you know, a crowd as critical as Brooklyn to really latch onto. And they they kind of turned on this one. Kurt Angle's in his office, and Paul Heyman appeared, and Brock Lesnar wants to invoke his contractually obligated rematch clause. Angle says, that's fine, but it doesn't state when the rematch can take place. Angle says it's going to be a long time before he receives one. Heyman agrees and suggests hell in a cell. Angle responds, as they say in Brooklyn, forget about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Angle's kind of really been uh, expanding his range of acting. Yeah, this was um, yeah something else. I thought he so, did this well. Sure. Um, so Brock Lesnar was advertised for this show. And the way this was set up, and with everything we're going to get to with, with Corbin and the main event, I thought 100% we were getting Lesnar showing up in this main event, and then he'd be granted the rematch next week by Baron Corbin. But no Brock on the show at all. I, I I mean, yeah, knowing that he was uh, announced for it, uh, I suppose that maybe I was a little bit surprised. But I, at the same time, I wonder if there's really any point to having Brock come back now, especially since they had this already planned for Braun. Uh, they didn't need Braun to get uh, his revenge on Brock, I suppose. And maybe at this point, they, they're just deciding to move on. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's always there's always something uh behind Brock Lesnar and whatever went on here. But evidently, something changed. 
Angle uh, was then in his office later. Uh, I guess after Corbin is upset about the match with Lashley and losing to the Demon on Sunday, he says Stephanie's here tonight and he's going to go talk to her as a threat to Kurt. Then they promoted the Super Showdown, which isn't happening until October the 6th. But for all intents and purposes, this is the next big show. And Hell in a Cell does not feel like the next big show. They re-aired the video that they played at SummerSlam with Triple H and The Undertaker. And they plugged that Triple H will be here tonight. Out come Bailey and Sasha. The Boss and Hug Connection. And Corey Graves asks, is there a direct edict that we have to call them that? Coachman chimes in. Yeah, you know, Corey, I don't like the name either. <laughs> it's not a great, very creative name, but I guess neither is uh, Rewind Our Raw. I just enjoyed that they actually just called this out on, on the broadcast, this this awful team name. So we got Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Ember Moon against the Riot Squad. Of all the people that were battling for pre-show spots at SummerSlam that were not granted them. Babyfaces hit a bunch of dives to the floor. Moon came up short on Sarah Logan to go to a commercial. We come back. Bailey's being beaten down in the corner. She's head-butted by Logan, the Viking. And then this cheap shot sends Ember off the apron to the floor. Eventually, the tag is made to Sasha, who fires up. Logan nails Bailey on the floor with a clothesline. Banks comes off with the double knees, but as she comes back into the ring... Ruby Riot is legal, hits the riot kick, and pins Sasha Banks. 10 minutes, 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a pretty fast-paced, pretty well-done match. I thought it, was, it actually turned out pretty good. So I saw, like, somebody posted up a, something where Sasha, in a live stream, mentioned how the goals of her teaming with uh, Bailey are to win the women's tag team belts. I don't know if there's anything to really look into with something like that, but the way that they're, I think, pushing uh, this feud between the Riot Squad and, and the Boston Hug connection, I could see the some them announce something like that anytime now. Um, yeah, I feel it's something inevitable that they will get to. Um, you know, why else? Why else have this feud? Well, I mean, it's just keeping them busy. I mean, it's not to me like a very prominent feud. I don't think titles make it feel any more important. Mm, the first time winning a, the titles might. Triple H came out and they plugged the Super Showdown. The crowd's chanting NXT. And he says, I am a fan just like you. And he sat at the edge of his seat for six hours and two minutes on Sunday night. And he's going to work until the day he dies to keep this thing going. You think he'll be able to do it? You think you think WWE will still be around in 40 years? I'm going to say yes. I, I'm pretty sure they're, they're in good hands right now. He says that this weekend also gave him the itch to lace up the boots again and become the game. And earlier in the night, Michael Cole had talked about the Super Showdown in front of 70,000 people. Well... Hunter the Worker, it's now growing to 80,000 people will be there on October the 6th. And he was asked to face The Undertaker on the show, and he said no. He said no because of the moment they shared after the Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania 28 that was billed as the end of an era. He's like, we do not falsely advertise stipulations around this place. And he showed the image of him standing with The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels at the end of that match. The crowd was chanting HBK. 
And he says that moment is as real as it gets. And that moment changed them. He said Shawn Michaels left after that. The streak ended. And Hunter put on a suit and became an executive. Leaving out the fact the man has wrestled at every WrestleMania since. And says that their era was something special. And adds that because of the respect, he's going to accept this match. So he's figured out this dilemma. And he's going to take off the suit, lace up the boots, and become the game again. If The Undertaker will pick up his hat, put those gloves on, and become the Phenom one more time. The feeling, the sound, and the era will be back one last time. And way I think that they have a dynamic video package coming out of this promo. He had numerous lines, and he checked off everyone that they needed. This is going to be an epic video package in Australia. It, they already have a great video package, so I don't doubt the next one that comes comes out with this will be uh, just as good. You know, um, I think in, in, in um, Triple H fashion that we've kind of uh, seen over the years, this was really good, but it felt like it rambled a little bit long at times. Um, it was a great delivery. It's a great delivery, but I mean, so often, I, I almost forget the feeling of this because it's, it feels like it's been so long since I've seen one of these, but like, how many Hunter opening, uh, raw opening promos have we seen where he comes out, holds the mic, and just talks for 20 minutes, and just like, it sounds good in a sound bite, it might sound great. But man, like going on and on and on really about one thing for 20 minutes tends to kind of lose me a little bit. Nonetheless, um, I think it's a special occasion. Anytime Hunter comes out, he had a message to give here. And I think he really he did nail it. Um, This is uh, this was a total trip babyface Triple H. This was an NXT dad Triple H coming out. It's not the, the same one that's part of the authority. This was dad Triple H who was here to. Uh, not necessarily mm, be a heel or a babyface. He is here to play the role of a legend, trying to bring back the Attitude Era one more time against against another legend in in uh, the Undertaker. I think on what kind of really surprises me is that typically, like they wouldn't put this amount of effort into promoting what feels like a house show main event. You know, like like uh, they I don't see them doing it for any type of Brock. Uh, Brock versus Kofi Kingston for that Japan show or like Cena versus Owens or anything like that. Granted, this feels a little bigger, but it also has nothing to do with any storyline. So I think it kind of surprises me that they're putting this much effort into pushing that match. But I'm glad that they are because it gives me a reason to want to tune into that show uh, on the network. So I thought it was well done. Yeah, I mean, the difference between this and a house show, I'm sure they're not being paid anywhere near the ballpark of what they got for the, the Saudi Arabia deal. But I'm sure they're like, this is being, um, you know, they are working with a, a local promoter and I imagine they're getting paid like a really hefty sum to uh, pretty much hand over the reins to a local promoter. That's going to take care of filling up the building and everything, but I'm sure they're being paid uh, very, very well to stage this show in Australia in such a giant venue. Like this is something where it it seems that, you know, countries that want to promote, whether it's tourism or just entertainment acts coming to the city, they will pay big money. And they look at the WWE as something with a, a global appeal that we can bring to a stadium. Yeah. And how do you attract them? But with, you know, maybe two of your most recognizable names on, on on the still technically on the roster, I suppose. 
So one thing was he brought up that The Undertaker, you know, he put his hat down and, and left, and he's saying if the Phenom can lift up his hat, put his gloves on, be the Phenom one more time, are, are we supposed to forget that he did all that at WrestleMania this year? Is this like a yeah. a, a, lo- a straight line from the 2017 Roman Reigns match to this? This is his resurrection, and Cena just never happened. Yes, you are supposed to forget about that. You're supposed to forget about, like you said, all the times that Triple H himself has wrestled in all the WrestleMania since he uh, since that 2012 match. You're supposed to forget the 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 WrestleMania 17 match that these two had. Uh, you know, Shawn Michaels just disappeared after 2012. Yeah. I wonder where he is. This is, I was just trying to figure out the story afterwards. I mean, it was qu- quite the... Uh, no, no, listen, don't let the facts get in the way of telling a great story. Yeah, and that's... that's uh, anyway, so that is our main event for October the 6th, or at least one of the matches. I guess we shouldn't say main event, but it will be... It feels like it's going to be the most pushed match on the show, and they're billing it as last time ever until they get another stadium offer and Hunter <laughs> decides to revoke their promise. I don't. I mean, I could see them sticking to this, but I mean, it's wrestling, so who knows? I, I do. I do think it's like a really interesting exercise to see them, you know, uh, take a match that really has very little value these days, and to try to fill up a stadium show to headline a stadium show with something that they don't need to give away for the, a pay per view or something that that actually directly affects the current roster or a championship, you know. Um, so yeah, like New Japan kind of tends to have that same issue of having to fill and all these main events, but they want to save some for Japan. They want to save some for the U S so it's interesting to kind of watch that juggling act. Yeah. Well, this will become, especially for the men, the October pay-per-view because there isn't anything after that until survivor series, which is a month and a half later. It'll kind of be interesting how they balance the, the women's programs because you do have the evolution pay-per-view several weeks after this. So I think it's going to be very much similar to the the Saudi Arabia show where mm-hmm. it's going to be pushed as, you know, their pay-per-view of the month. Then there was a SmackDown promo. Uh, Paige is calling this one of the biggest episodes in SmackDown history tomorrow night. We are going to get Randy Orton versus Jeff Hardy, the Bludgeon Brothers against the New Day in a no disqualification match, an AJ Styles interview, and Becky Lynch will explain her shocking actions. This was a hell of a video package yeah. that they cut. One of the biggest episodes in SmackDown history, way. Yes, yes. I think if if you have the unfortunate unfortunate job of fact checking everything a wrestling promoter says in a in a video, um, um, it's probably the reason why we've been doing the show for almost ten years. We're 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 never going to be out of content. I want someone to rank all the episodes of SmackDown. Uh, in preparation for this 1,000th episode in October. <laughs> and we'll read them. Dolph Ziggler versus Dean Ambrose. Ambrose's first match on Raw since December. Drew, Drew McIntyre and Seth Rollins are in the corners. McIntyre grabbed the leg of Dean early on to distract. Rollins got into his face. Then we had Ziggler in control, and Dean came back with clotheslines, and he hit a fallaway slam, which was the most impressive move Michael Cole's ever seen. He's blown away by the new repertoire of Dean Ambrose. He just hit a fallaway slam. I feel like that was the word of the hour, repertoire. Repertoire. Dean Ambrose. Look at that. Yeah. Repertoire. Dean runs at him, runs shoulder first into the post, lands onto the floor. If I never see a WWE performer run shoulder first into the post ever again... 
You know, I would love to see like somebody break down that move, like a Robin <laughs> Black. You know, how do you properly do the run to the post? Because I'm sure there's an art to it. Yeah, I would. Al- I would also love to see someone run at you in the street and miss, and run into a telephone pole like that, and your shoulders just messed up. Uh, I'm sure it's happened somewhere. So Rollins and Drew get into an argument on the floor, and this is not going to get an Emmy nomination. Seth goes, back up, back up, mind your business. So then Drew takes off his his coat and says, go on, I dare you. (laughs) It was such wooden back and forth here. Ziggler then nails Seth from behind, sent him into the barricade. Dean attacks him. Zigzag and Dirty Deeds are both avoided. Rollinson takes out McIntyre with a suicide dive, and and Dean counters a jumping DDT into the Dirty Deeds. Very good sequence, and one. And Michael Cole is just aghast. Dean, he's changed his game up. That repertoire. And Dean wins. They were trying really hard to push uh, Dean Ambrose's uh, new moveset. And maybe I'm just not as familiar with Dean Ambrose's old repertoire. The change was not as apparent to me just watching the match as it might have been to the announcers. Nonetheless, I do think it's important to, you know, announce some type of change from a guy. I don't I just don't know if if the actual wrestling really reflected what I think in story they're trying to push here. But overall, I I mean, I thought Ambrose looked as good as ever. Do you think he's retired the lunatic lariat? No, I don't think so. I think he'll bring that back. Gets a reaction. Elias is upset with some production assistants backstage as he's on his way out. Uh, Domino's bought some time on the show, so that meant fire up the VHS and watch some Steve Austin Booker T Supermarket Madness from December of 2001. And then Balor's in the locker room. Braun walked in. He said, I refuse to cash this in from behind, so I'm telling you to your face, good luck, as he holds up the briefcase. Hmm. Then Elias is in the ring, and he said, someone is trying to destroy everything that he is. There is a mystery man sabotaging his performances. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's who we can blame the album on. Yes, yes. The doctor has warned Elias to not be around the people of Brooklyn. It's bad for his health, but he then goes on to tell them to all shut up, and he goes to play again, but he's interrupted by Kurt Hawkins. And Hawkins says, you can be number one, as in the first guy to lose to me and end my 218-match losing streak. Elias called him a loser and then sent Hawkins away. But Hawkins came back and asked if he's going to hide behind his guitar and goofy scarf challenging him to a match. And a match is what we got. There was a flying knee from Elias where it looked like he took Kurt Hawkins' head off. And then Hawkins got a number of, uh, you know, brief offense with a few near falls. Audience did get into Hawkins briefly. And then Elias hit him with the drift away in a minute 34. I thought this was a brief but fun segment. They, I, I feel like they got a lo- way more mileage out of a Kurt Hawkins versus Elias segment than I ever thought they that they could have. Uh, I thought Hawkins did really well. Like I love how they had you know uh, him showing maybe a moment of introspection before firing back up and challenging Elias as if it was the most important match of his career. And it kind of gave that impression, at least to start. I was almost disappointed to see that it was just another kind of quick squash at the end of this all uh, all this. So I, I don't know. I, I I hope Hawkins gets something 
more out of this. The fact he that won't. it's no, I mean, and also the fact that this is like a New York thing suggests that this is just the one and done. But it feels like they they gave a good deal of characterization to Kurt Hawkins, uh, more so than at any time, at, especially since he's come back. No, he's he's going to head back to the locker room and take his spot next to Mike Canales and Chad Gable. Yeah, probably. Titus Worldwide was in the back, and Titus had been looking around for them, walks up to Apollo and Dana Brooke and asks, what are you guys talking about? And Apollo hesitates, and Dana says, strategy. We were discussing strategy for the AOP. Mm-hmm. So what, so what was this to allude to? What what were Apollo and Dana so secretive about way? Um, maybe a birthday party that they're planning for Titus. Oh, you think so? No, okay. no. I mean, they're trying to tease that these two are, are, might be in a relationship. Um, will that make this whole thing work? Maybe. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe that'll be what, uh, the Titus worldwide explosion, the, the civil war of Titus worldwide. Yeah, I think the fans have been asking for it. The Authors of Pain versus Titus Worldwide was next. This was joined in progress. I I cannot believe where the Authors of Pain have fallen in my interest level. I I really enjoyed this tag team in NXT, and now it is something that I could barely get through this match way. It was five minutes of Akam and Rezar beating the hell out of Apollo Crews, at one point, Titus ran in, but then was immediately sent to the floor. So they went back to beating up Apollo. And then they hit the last chapter. This was just like a beatdown, uh, not even like a hope spot with Titus saving him. And then the last chapter. And it was just five minutes of Cruz being beaten down. And then Titus and Dana checked on Apollo on the floor. Yeah, I don't know how much time this was given, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if it would have helped them you know, either way. It, the crowd was very quiet for this one. You simply, I think, have two teams that just haven't managed to connect with this audience at all. I mean, the authors continue to have like pretty good intensity in the ring, but I think they need opponents that are able to go, you know, just as hard uh, with them in order to, for them to really kind of catch catch your your attention. And Titus Worldwide simply isn't that team. Uh, I think they're a really boring team. I think they're really boring both as personalities as well as being in ring. And I don't really expect this love story between Apollo and Dana to fix that. I just feel like there's just such a such a large amount of these characters that you have no attachment to any of these people. Like, granted, I'm I'm not trying to compare it to the Samoa Joe piece, but I was like, here was 45 minutes where they focused on this guy's personality and you know everything about this guy. And you have so many of these Titus Worldwides that... All you get from them are these goofy backstage segments. And then you have others like the Authors of Pain or Kurt Hawkins where you don't even have that. What can I even tell you about Kurt Hawkins? The guy has a losing streak. That's literally the only thing you can describe about this person. And it just extends. It's like you have these these bodies that are just that on this roster. And this show was just so full of these characters that are the definition of one-dimensional. Yeah, I wonder what it is, because I feel like on SmackDown, that's much less of an issue. Uh, I wonder if it, it has maybe something to do with the fact that Raw's top end is is like much more, I think, uh, 
uh, bigger. You know, you you have storylines involving Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, Ronda Rousey. Uh, how much time is a Kurt Hawkins going to get when you have to write stories for all those guys? Our next segment was the Ronda Rousey title presentation. So all the women are around the ring. And Alexa Bliss is showing, wearing a sling. The Bella Twins are there. So this was officially Nikki Bella's move to, to Raw. Mm-hmm. And Stephanie McMahon comes out. And Liv Morgan was just grooving to Stephanie McMahon's theme song. I'm sure this is on her, her Spotify playlist. Stephanie comes out. She promotes the Evolution pay-per-view. And she's proud of the Raw women's title match from SummerSlam. A true classic last night, Way. They throw the highlights of the match, and Stephanie is proud of Ronda because without Stephanie's business prowess, Ronda wouldn't be here. She shined her up like a diamond, has molded Ronda in her likeness, and Ronda carries the WWE universe just like me. And all the women around the ring want to be like me and Ronda. Rousey, yeah, just oh, like okay. a a wonderful, uh, wonderful moment for the heels to just stare at their feet and listen. I mean, I, I hate when Stephanie has to deliver, like, those carpet speeches, but I love it when Stephanie takes that same character and uses it to deliver great sarcastic heel lines. I think she's awesome. So Rhonda comes out, and she says this isn't about Stephanie, but the women around the ring, and asks if Stephanie is trying to put them, the two of them above these women. So she brings them all up onto the apron and tried to, like, put them all over here. She says, this is all about us. This is about the women's evolution. She she singles out a few of them, calling Natalia the cornerstone of the division, brings up Sasha and Bailey. And if it wasn't for your match at TakeOver three years ago in this building, this movement may not have gotten off the ground. And that was the realization of probably half this audience that was at that TakeOver show of what has happened to these two. She, she announces, I am not Brock Lesnar. And I'm going to be a fighting champion every night. And Stephanie then says that Rhonda, this is not the Rhonda that she wants here. And she shows Alexa's broken arm and calls it pure pain. That isn't wrestling. I don't know what that is. And Rousey just wants to break arms and wipe them all out and take the spotlight. This is all what Stephanie's saying. Rousey states, I only want to break the arms of those that deserve it. So she throws Stephanie, applies the arm breaker, and then Stephanie rolls to the floor. The heels all go to check on Stephanie. And the baby faces pose with Rousey and the championship. No angle. No match announcement. I don't know what the point of this was. Other than, I mean, if anything, this was like pushing Ronda and Stephanie uh, at the end of this. Uh, what did you think of this segment, Way? I mean, I thought the point was to create a segment that was designed to address some concerns that some fans may have that think that Ronda is an undeserving champion or a part-time champion. Uh, I think it was just another segment really to push Ronda Rousey as a fan favorite. Uh, Also, of course, you had Stephanie who had to suffer that injury in order to uh, uh, put the blame on Kurt afterwards, too. So uh, I just kind of saw this as a further uh, pushing of Stephanie or sorry, uh, of Ronda Rousey as their uh, top babyface in the division. Yeah, I just don't know where they go next 
with Ronda. There was no tease of anything here beyond Stephanie, and I don't think they're doing that at the next paper. Well, I mean, Ronda says that she will defend the belt against everybody, so I you can assume that they'll start naming some challengers at some point. Uh, Nikki Bella at Evolution, uh, maybe maybe a rumored uh, one, uh, but maybe one for Hell on a Cell as well. The B team came out and cut a promo about life having all these twists and turns, and a few weeks ago they had never won a tag match on Raw, and now they're undefeated and they are the champions, which is not how undefeated works. They dedicated their two singles matches to every one of the fans and stated that the B stands for Brooklyn. And the audience liked this. They liked it, but I mean, I don't know how much it played into their enjoyment of the matches. Well, we had two singles matches, starting off with Bo Dallas and Scott Dawson. Dawson uh, slingshot Bo into the bottom turnbuckle, and then Dallas fired back. The audience got behind him. Then the audience started doing the wave, and Coachman says... When was the last time you've seen the wave? We haven't seen that since high school. Oh, my God. Bring back Renee, please. Dawson used this cradle DDT to pin Dallas in 228. Then Curtis Axel challenges Wilder to get into the ring, and the announcers laugh, stating, you guys had just dedicated your matches. Like, this was already set up, and now you're challenging him. Anyway, we went to the match with him and Dash Wilder. It didn't go long. Axel went for a reverse neck breaker, was sent into the corner, got his boot up, and then Axel missed coming off the turnbuckle, and Wilder hit this gory bomb, pinning him in two minutes and 16 seconds. And then Dallas said, you may have defeated us separately, but we are still the Raw Tag Champions. No reaction for any of this. I mean, uh, I don't know what else they would would have expected from these matches. I mean... Geez, like results that I don't think anybody cares about. Uh, two teams that really I don't think anybody really cares about. Um, I, I I thought they they only did one match and, and might have like escaped the segment, but then they came back and had another one. I I think I really do hope like crowds like Brooklyn are able to give the company a wake up call that at how lacking this tag team division is. Like, this is all we're, we're led to believe building up to another match between the B team and the Revival. And really, is there any interest from anybody watching this to see that match again? Can you imagine a creative meeting? Okay. They're presenting the show to Vince McMahon, and he's sitting down with his steak and his ketchup, and he looks up and he says, All right, what do we, what do we got for Dash? Tonight, what what are our plans for Dash Wilder tonight? You you honestly think he knows his name? What are we doing with the mustache guy and his buddy? Sure. I can't imagine that Vince McMahon thinks of these people once. No, I mean, I, I think this whole tag team thing with the B team, uh, with the deleters of, of, of Worlds and then the Revival, it's all been just uh, very lazy, and it feels like they're, they're just running in circles. Uh, no matches I'm really, uh, I've been excited about. No matches I, I, I've really enjoyed watching. Um, I think the authors are like the lone bright spot in the entire division. Otherwise, it's just... I have really nothing to look forward to with any of these pairings. I was in a coma at this point. Renee interviewed Roman Reigns, and he said that Balor deserves this opportunity. He's going to lose, but 
end up going to the back of the line. And Stroman didn't affect him last night. This is his yard. He'll always be ready. Stephanie's in the trainer's room. Her arm is being iced with Baron Corbin and Alexa Bliss there. And she insults the trainer for her his lack of knowledge in dealing with her injury. Kurt enters and apologizes. And, a, and he's asked where he was. And Corbin runs him down saying, Raw is in chaos with you in control. And Kurt says, I'm doing the best I can. Stephanie can see that the stress of this job is wearing on Kurt and is sending him on a vacation. Not a permanent one, but he's going to go away. And Baron Corbin is the acting general manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if uh, Angle has something to attend to, but it seems like he'll be out for a bit. Yep. Some exciting authority-based Raws to come in the next few weeks. And then we go to the main event. Roman Reigns, Finn Balor for the Universal title. Do you want to guess the last time there was a Universal title match on Raw way? The month and the year. Oh, man. That's a tough one. Hmm. I don't even know if I could do the year because it certainly wouldn't have been any time with Brock Lesnar. Guess uh, the year. We're talking about Universal title or WWE just, title? Just Universal title okay. on Raw. Uh, so, I mean, that lineage isn't all that long, uh, big to begin with. So, uh, is it, would it have been Kevin Owens? Yes. Okay. 2016 then? 2017. Oh. January, January 2017. Okay. So. Who? Uh, it was Kevin Owens versus Braun Strowman. Oh. On January 30th. Wow, that feud really has uh, taken a turn. <laughs> I know. Yeah, they're just uh, attached at the hip. Reigns, uh, and no Kevin Owens on this show either. Well, thank Reigns God. Up. I think time apart from that memory will will do him well. It, it's funny, though, that we look at this show, that look at what was on this show tonight. And there was no room for Kevin Owens. But, but it's not so much that, maybe more so, you know, what what could he be doing on this show? Dude, if he came out and cut a promo, it would have been a whole lot better than some of these matches I I sat through. But what, would, what would he talk about? I'm not hopefully, that bad, guys. Hopefully his next program. I would hope that there is a next program for this guy. You cannot tell me he is slotted at such a level that he is Mike Kanellis. No, I don't think that's the insinuation at all. But the fact that he got squashed yesterday in very embarrassing fashion, I could see him, you know, trying to sell those injuries. Uh, so the match begins. Reigns is in control early on until Balor drop kicks him to the floor and hits a tope con hero. Balor then gets him inside to count. They go through the break. Uh, they return. The audience is distracted with something going on in the crowd where apparently a group was ejected. Balor then... So they're fighting this with the audience distracted, and Balor just fires up with these stomps and totally won back the audience. And they were going nuts after these stomps. Like, he just had a ton of uh, intensity with these. Reigns came back, deadlift powerbomb, got a two count from that. Balor then hits the Inziguri, goes to the top, but Reigns is up. He takes a sling blade. There's a running drop kick, but he's stopped with a Superman punch and gets a near fall off that. Reigns goes for a spear, and Balor lands a knee strike. Rolls him up for a two count, and then they go for a Superman punch. And as Reigns connects, they cut away to a fan, so they miss the actual punch. 
Braun's music plays. He comes out, and this allows Reigns, who is distracted, to take a sling blade. Balor follows with the running drop kick, climbs up, misses with the coup de gras, and Reigns spears him for the win. 19 minutes and 40 seconds. Uh, hands down, the highlight of the show was this match. Yeah, as it should be, as the main event. I thought this match was awesome. Um, I think just even without the Strowman interaction, these two were really great together. Uh, Balor, uh, great babyface as always, and I thought Roman was actually really good in this match. So uh, maybe a little bit disappointed that these two didn't necessarily get a bigger stage with the longer match to kind of show their stuff. But uh, I really enjoyed what what I watched. And then you had Strowman come out here uh, that played really well into the finish with that distraction. I love that they had Braun just casually walk down to the ring. As the finish was happening before his eyes, he didn't break his glance, didn't break his pace at all. He doesn't give a shit about the result. He just needs to know who he's going to fuck up after uh, this match is over. Strowman then entered. He boots Roman and he goes to cash in. Place is going crazy. And then the Shields music plays, and Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins come out in their Shield gear, surround the ring. Reigns gets to his feet. Strowman attacks them anyway. Even though he's outnumbered, there's a Superman punch to Braun Strowman. Dean clips his knee. Rollins kicks him, and then he's dumped to the floor with a clothesline. They clear the announcer's desk. Braun fights back, but then Roman spears him on the floor. He's booed. And they hit the triple power bomb, putting Braun through the table. And Raw concludes with a triple fist. Triple fist, yeah, a really big, like a like a Voltron fist. Yeah, this is the ult- the ultimate fisting at the end of yeah. this Raw. I thought this was an excellent close to the show. I I think it caught the finish caught me by surprise. I wasn't really expecting a Shield uh, return. No, to- I was totally anticipating that. Brock was going to screw up Braun's cash-in, and he was going to lay out Roman, and then next week it's announced he's doing Hell in a Cell. That's where oh, I thought ev- everything was geared towards. I mean, they set it up earlier. Uh, I think I, I'm, I'm just, I'm speaking as a fan, I think I'm already really tired of this Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns combination, and I really didn't care to see another week of it, or another month of it. So I'm, I'm glad they're moving on to that, and moving on to something that feels really fresh. Braun Strowman versus The Shield. And again, if this is your attempt at trying to make Roman Reigns a babyface, which I thought they did a great job of on this show, not only is Roman Reigns doing what he said by being a, uh, a fighting champion, he granted a title shot to a fan favorite that never received that match uh, since losing the belt in Finn Balor. So I think despite how Brooklyn might be conditioned to react to Roman Reigns, I thought they, again, did a very good job of booking Roman as a babyface. And the conclusion of it, I, man, I I thought this was awesome. I thought it was really great. And I think it's apparent that, you know, uh, Roman and Dean kind of needed those wins um, to, over over the singles matches over uh, uh, McIntyre and, and Drew. And uh, we're not getting a heel turn from from Dean Ambrose yet, and I'm perfectly fine with that because you want to make your money with your Shield reunion before anything like that happens. So I, I have no complaints at all about the way the show ended. So where does where does this program go with the Shield and Braun? Is this a three on one program? Because that very much like baby faces Braun in that, and he it seems very odd that he would need to go find partners. Yeah, it would. I don't think it'll be that. I don't see Braun teaming up with McIntyre and 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 uh, Ziggler. I do think it'll just ultimately end up being uh, Braun versus 
who is it, Roman Reigns, with the shield kind of uh, by his side. Uh, or maybe you get Braun picking off individual members of the shield before he gets to Roman, which I think would be kind of sad because Dean just came back. He can't really afford a loss. Seth is so strong right now that I don't think he should be affording a loss as well. So the match... Mm, maybe I have a bit of a tough time thinking about what that match ultimately is. If you were to pair Braun with somebody, who do you think it would be? Well, I think if Brock is totally out of the picture, which I don't know if he necessarily is, I don't think we know what his status is at the moment. And it was clearly brought up with the rematch tonight that that is in play. So, I mean, it's, it seems like you want to get to Roman and Braun. It's just a question of when you do that. And yeah, perhaps it's, it's Braun having to go through Rollins and Ambrose first. I don't know. It, it, that kind of like slots Roman as more of like a heel. Like he's the, he, he's the, he's the boss at the end of the line for Braun to go through the, the numbers disadvantage. He's going to be the heel anyway. Uh, Who is Roman Roman. Yeah. Well, uh, the crowd is going to treat him like the heel anyway in this feud, but I, I, I don't see it as much as, you know, um, them portraying it that way, though, I think it's it's simply like three underdogs banding together to try to beat this unbeatable monster. Yeah, I guess I just hope they're very careful with like with Ambrose and Rollins. Those are two very hot characters for for them. And the shield mm-hmm. has been pretty, pretty effective in all their various incarnations and the reunion last year that. It's not something I hope. I hope they're just going to because they had a lack of options tonight and they don't have a a really solid plan for utilizing that because that's only a well you can go to so many times. Yeah, Hell in a Cell. You think? Um, I could see something at, at Hell in a Cell where it's the Shield against Braun, and I, I just I don't know where you make that up. Like Braun hmm. is not a character that should be asking for help or receiving help. So yeah. it it becomes. Somewhat strange of like, like, I don't know what the match is. And I don't know without knowing where Brock is all fitting into this. Oh, I, mean, I know. Nicholas. You answered your own question. There you go. Bring him back oh, up. Nicholas returns. Tag team champion. All right. Let's go to the forum. Forum.postwrestling.com. That is where all of our members can uh, leave feedback after the show. Uh, if I was ranking this show on a scale of 1 to 10... Uh, the last 30 minutes greatly helped it. It would get it to a four for me, but I am not giving this one a pass because this was uh, two and a half hours that were totally dragged from myself. I didn't hate it as much as I think you did. I think there were some very significant moments with, you know, some some uh, good promo. Uh, well, I, I'll say rare appearances from Stephanie and Triple H. Uh, 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 that Ron, I guess the same Ronda segment in the main event. I'm going to go above five here. I'm going to over overestimate instead of okay. under. A 6.06. Everyone's just giving me the finger. Well. Um, I'm used to it. It's okay. Whatever. Let's start off with Brandon from Oshawa. This show sucked. I was expecting so much more and was actually looking forward to this episode. Valor Reigns was good, but if you're Finn Balor, how are you becoming the demon for Baron Corbin and not for a universal title match? Got to read the comic. You got two and a half hours from when you accepted the challenge to throw something together. <laughs> it's like Halloween. Pain takes I, a while, I would assume. Yeah, I don't think I could. You could get that done in two and a half hours. To be yeah. fair, I mean that could have been his explanation. It's like I, my guy isn't even here. I sent him home yesterday. Mm-hmm. I did not need a segment hyping Triple H and Undertaker. That match hypes itself. 
I didn't mind that promo at all. I mean, it was kind of, if you break it down, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it was a very good promo, and it's pushing a major match for a stadium show. It, it might hype itself, but I, I don't think it hurt it at all. I think it probably uh, uh, amplified whatever I don't. There was. I don't think that match just on paper, you just announce it cold. I, I don't know how much, yeah. you know, it is, it is too, you know, significant characters, but yeah, I had no issue with that promo. I did not need the millionth iteration of Riot Squad against Bailey, Sasha, and Ember, or Titus Worldwide, AOP, B-Team Revival. Braun Strowman looks like an idiot again. Kevin Owens is nowhere to be seen. Oddly enough, the one small thing I did enjoy was the little tease of something between Apollo and Dana Brooke. Yeah, that was, that's what's going to bring me back next Monday, is the, <laughs> the continuation of Apollo and Dana Brooke. I'd like to see them break off from Titus Worldwide as heels and maybe see Apollo go after Seth for the IC title. Well, there's no doubt that Apollo has, you know, been greatly underutilized. But um, anyway, yeah, I don't know if a love story is is what we've been clamoring for for Apollo, for Apollo Cruz. But uh, I don't know. We'll see where they go. I kind of that, that that guy just like it. It feels so simple with him. Just let him showcase his incredible wrestling ability, his incredible physical uh, 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 feats, and yet. It just seems like he's just kind of shoved in there in the midst of this tag team and this faction where he doesn't really get to showcase that stuff all that much. Or at least it's not made made a focal point of at least. We go to Mark from Vaughn who says, I enjoyed a lot of the show, especially that exciting ending, which felt pay-per-view worthy. I could have done without Balor being the sacrificial lamb when he's had a claim to the title for two years, but at least he showed great fire. Ronda had some decent verbiage in her promo, but the segment was awkward without an angle. Question, do you think they'll shift Braun closer to the heel side and just accept the cheers? Being the victim of a three-on-one attack doesn't scream heel, but they also won't be turning the shield. I dig the ambiguity. Um, I, 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 I don't. I, I don't. Um, I think that, man, if you're, if you're fighting the audience one way with Roman and then you're going to fight it the other with Braun, trying to, you know, shoehorn him as the heel, uh, I really don't like that. I don't think there's really going to be any heel babyface here. I think it'll just be like two fan favorites colliding. With fan Roman fa- and Braun? Well, fan favorites as in The Shield and Braun. Right. Sean from Toronto writes, A better Raw in recent memory with me having no major complaints other than the groaner that is acting general manager Baron Corbin. I'm also confused whether the Shield attack on Braun means that they're heels now, or if it was just a one-off attack. It's hard to tell these days. While I'll probably not be watching the Australian show... Triple H did make a good case for one more match with The Undertaker, even if most wish for the latter to just retire already. I'm really curious how the Toronto crowd will be next week, which I'll be at live. Despite the go-nowhere feud with Mojo Rawley, it's a shame that Bobby Roode will be at the Peterborough SmackDown show, so no glorious sing-along. Yeah, that's that's the real bummer for Raw fans next week. It's that Bobby Roode's been moved to the SmackDown house show that night, mm. and you won't get Bobby Roode on Raw in a dark match. Bill and Alex from Orlando. Okay, show. Only two points, really. We hate that Rhonda has been portrayed. We hate how Rhonda has been portrayed the last two nights. Last night she acted like a bully. Then tonight she didn't. We didn't like the way she came across with Stephanie. Those actions didn't seem like babyface actions. And as we saw, WWE wants her to be babyface as she was with all the babyfaces in the ring up until the end. The heel women 
went with a step to the back. Huge reaction here at the house when the shield came out at the end of the show. We hope that they keep them together with the two titles, at least until Rumble when Dean finally gets jealous and turns on them. They can have tag matches against Dean and Braun until Mania when it's Dean versus Seth and Braun cashes in. I always like the we. Like, I wonder if, like, one of them writes it and then the other, like, proofreads it to agree that they are, in fact, agreeing with this stance. They must have a meeting. What do we agree on? And what do we disagree (laughs) on that we can talk through so that we're on the same page? Yeah. I I really didn't mind how Ronda came off in that segment. I mean, it wasn't one of her uh, great promos, but I think when you're opposite Stephanie, I I don't think Ronda comes off as a heel at all i think that stephanie is just the best foil for her and an easy way to position ronda as a baby face the explanation is that she acts like a bully to people who deserve it and i think that's what that's what she was going for yesterday maybe i just haven't been all that aware of maybe how 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 much uh, alexa bliss has been doing that that made her deserve a beating like that but you know, it's Alexa Bliss. She said some terrible things about Nia Jax in the past, so sure. I guess I could buy it in retrospect. Taylor, yuck, yuck, yuck. The only parts of tonight's show I liked were Finn getting a shot at the title and Brooklyn making him feel like a huge star he deserves to be and Alexa Bliss's facial expression when Stephanie mentioned her as poor Alexa Bliss. Hilarious stuff. Apart from that, this was another absolute middle finger to the fans. Finn demon demons up for Corbin, but not for a championship title match. Ronda breaks Stephanie's arm for no reason other than she said some kind of mean things and the Shield reunited to once again make Strowman look like an idiot. Also, Kevin Owens was nowhere to be seen. On a side note, I really want Owens' SummerSlam ring gear. It looked awesome, but I'll never be able to get it because he didn't win and was, of course, a big swerve. Do you think they sit around and think of ways to annoy the fans, or do you think it just happens? Also, crowds should not be chanting, you still suck at Roman. I hate his push as much as the next, but the dude doesn't suck. And saying he does is just disrespectful. Four Triple H, four, four Triple H forehead veins out of ten. Uh, I'm not sure, Taylor. I don't, I'm, I, I don't know if they um, made Owens come out with that sweet SummerSlam gear only to have him lose to annoy fans. Uh, I don't think that was the intent. And I mean, come on, like, I I think it's it's reasonable to uh, ask why Finn Balor didn't demon up for the, for Corbin because they have yet to address it on their TV, and that's certainly I think uh, uh, something that they they should be doing. But I mean, I, I think that's a reasonable question for a, a viewer of this show. For sure. Like, like, I would have never had that explanation, and I will guarantee you, the people putting together this show probably have never seen that comic book you at least have to you, you do need to book, the comic book is one guy like writing it in like from his room that i well, don't think is but, but it represents something that you expect in storytelling but is a reason because that's a natural question you see this guy run through everybody and w- what is preventing him from doing that i think that's a completely logical question to ask i think all you have to do is like have finn balor explain that hey i just used up my demon uh of Demon uh, energy bar. Anything. Yeah. I brought out of my have, demon juice, and I can't like, use it. Like, seriously, we, we talk about storytelling and wrestling. The, the bar for acceptable storytelling and wrestling is pretty damn low. If you throw crumbs at fans, they will jump on it as, oh, that makes so much sense now. This is not like a high-end drama on television that is under tremendous critiquing. From critics, but how, uh, yeah. it is in some ways. But the storytelling, they will accept very little 
in order to just just allow it to make sense. That's the basic bar for acceptable wrestling storytelling. So, I mean, yeah, I think that's a fair criticism. But you can't call this, Taylor, uh, a middle finger to the fans. They gave you Finn Balor versus Bronze, uh, uh, sorry, Roman Reigns as a match on TV. And I think, I mean, I think you're over, overreacting a little bit here. No, that, that match was great. I thought it was a great main event. It, it, uh, it got this show up to a four for me, just based on that, that match. Uh, am I next? No, you are. Okay, we got a Rich from Winnipeg. No Brock. Finn versus Roman was okay. Then Braun. Then Shield. Hmm. Ronda being a bully on the boss. No angle. And next week in Toronto, no angle. Kurt, that is. B-Team brings out the best line from Graves all night about wanting to kill the music guy for their theme. Last music story continues, as does Goldberg, the Goldberg-esque streak of Braun, uh, Kurt Hawkins. Okay. Yep. No Kurt in Toronto way. Maybe yeah. he didn't have a, a cell phone plan to for his backstage segments for for an international roaming. Do you think that has anything? To, look, he's been in no, Toronto too. No, right? Oh no, I don't think that has anything to do with it. I think this is just the whether whether it's a reason that you know he was taking time off or it was just the storyline they were going with. I don't think it has anything to do with okay. the city or anything like that. Uh, next up, Braun looks so silly again tonight. They're really pushing the limits of cashing in. He did right. I was already a Roman fan. Dean seemed jacked to have something new to try, and Seth is and was white hot. Why on earth go back? Even the ring gear. Ha. Huh. For the record, I didn't watch a lot of sports entertainment for the Shield run, but this didn't work for me. Didn't seem at all believable. Oh, and Ronda needs to simmer down. Okay. Alrighty. Um, okay. He posts? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that's it. All right. Thank you, everybody, for the feedback. We appreciate it. Uh, that's going to bring an end to this show. Way and I are going to be back Tuesday night. We've got Rewind to SmackDown. And for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe, we will also have the Double Shot coming out uh, late Tuesday, early Wednesday, where we will get to all the stuff that we didn't have time to on these shows. Uh, we're going to review uh, Joey Janela's Lost in New York show, which aired on Friday night from New York, featuring Matt Riddle against PCO and some very, very fun matches uh, throughout this show. As well, Way will be reviewing Being the Elite, and who knows what else we will be chatting about as well. You can go to uh, postwrestlingcafe.com, and you can sign up and gain access to those shows as well as our entire archive of shows. There are tons of them uh, to go check out, and we'll be back with another show on Friday with a review of Iron Man on the cafe. Uh, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, Way. Man, there's a great photo. Uh, uh, some somebody posted, or one either Finn Balor or Jeff Hardy posted of the two of them in face paint backstage yesterday. It's great. I, I saw that. It it was a very cool looking photo. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jeff can tell him how what his secret is to be able to get all that paint on every single night. Uh, I don't know. Lots of different colors. I guess so. All right, we'll be back tomorrow night after SmackDown.